The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at HeftyRenew.com. The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at HeftyRenew.com. The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at HeftyRenew.com. Hello everyone and welcome to Gerard Evolution of a Revolution Part 8, a Q&A special. My name's David and I'm joined by Stevie Clifford again as we talk through the journey of Stephen Gerrard from novice manager to manager of the Invincible 55 champion. Stephen, delighted to have you here and a fun show for us this week because this is, we've had a great audience re- reaction to the show and this is really their show, this is their questions, this is what they want to know about. Yeah, first of all, great to be back and David, whoever thought when we started this we'd be on episode 8 No, still have so much content um, it's yeah, been great fun. Double what you, I thought we would do. Yeah, absolutely. It's been great fun. And as you said, um, the, the reaction we've had and the reaction to even these shows, this show is, is, is superb. So thank you, everybody. And I'm looking forward to getting into it because, of, you know, th- there will be bits that we've missed and things that we would have thought, ah, oh, we should have mentioned that. So I'm sure we'll get through it all here. Right, well, might as well just get stuck in. The first question comes from Derek Stewart on Patreon. He says, if Stevie G was to leave tomorrow, who would we get? It worries me. Well, that's the million-dollar question, I suppose, in, in terms of if he was to leave. But what I would say is that I think, David, that we're in a much better place now than we were when Stevie G came in. So the calibre of manager that would want to come to Rangers with, you know, they're not coming to a squad that's 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 really poor, etc. They're coming to a team that has potential and, and a winning team, etc. So I think that we would have a better scope and a wider scope is there anybody out there that you would pinpoint? Probably not, but it's not something that we've considered, is it? So mm. what I would say is Ross Wilson has been brought in to oversee all that kind of thing. So I'm sure that they're looking at people um, and, and have a, a potential shortlist, just like they will have players um, if Stevie G you know, goes to leave in the next couple of years. I would certainly, you know, I would, I would certainly think there would definitely be a, a more interested 
um, base, given that the position that he would leave us in would be a fairly strong one. Football clubs are a bit like campsites. Leave them in a better place than you found them. And that's a better state than you found them. And that's what Steven Gerrard has done. I agree with you, Stevie. Just echo the point that think about where we were in 2018. Third in the Scottish Premier League. Very little income at the time. Miles behind Celtic. A joke in Europe. Um, We weren't an attractive proposition to a certain level of manager now though champions re-established ourselves financially in a much better footing and in Europe and doing well and, and showing the opportunities that you can get so yeah I, I totally agree I think we are uh, a much better project for a manager coming in because you know obviously if you're a Rangers fan then it's different but we need to tempt people to come to Scotland. I think one of the problems as supporters is that we tend to look about the leagues that we know. I don't think there's anyone in Scotland at the moment. And and I say that as somebody who does admire Callum Davidson and he had an amazing year, but it is one year. And it's it's way, way too early to be talking about Jobler Rangers. And, the, you know, obviously the English Premiership, it's unlikely you're going to get someone from that level. So it probably would be a continental uh, managerial appointment I think but you never know um, we'll have to wait and see with that and hopefully it's not a problem that we come we come up against for a while Question 2 comes from David Innes on Patreon um, David this is an interesting one when do you think the Rangers haters realised that Stevie G was the real deal in terms of bringing Rangers success and I'll add a wee bit to that we we spoke about this in a way back when uh, the very first episodes about the media reaction towards this, the, some of the comments and things. When do you think the the penny dropped for everyone in terms of you know, Stephen Gerrard that is the real deal at Rangers? For some, I don't think it has yet. Uh, oh, I think there's a, a great deal of delusion going on in Scottish football at the moment. But I think for, shall we say, fair observers of it, then I think you could see with the, the initial European performance that he knew what he was doing that this was not going to be a disaster this was not somebody who was coming in who had ideas but couldn't get them across or had silly ideas uh, and I think that that right from the start the improvement that Rangers made I think that any fair observer said okay he knows what he's doing now that might not have been enough to convince them that yeah he's going to be the man to lead Rangers to glory and to success and I think for me it was this season round about you know January February when it was it was clear that that Rangers were going to go on and win the title because I think he'd overcome a lot of hurdles a lot of the questions that would have been in people's minds um uh, all through it, like I say, initially, like you know, Rangers weren't a joke straight away when Gerard came in. He changed that overnight, and we had been before. So you could see he could organise a team. You could see what he wanted to do. I think it was also clear that he improves players. Um, I think you could see that in his time here. But the big question was, of course, Rangers had pretty much collapsed two years in the trot after Christmas. So that for me was the final hurdle and could he get over the top uh, into that and there are still some who say well he hasn't won a cup but to me that's disingenuous that's that's starting from a position of saying I don't want to admit this and then looking for evidence for it because yeah we, we do want him to do better than cups but it was about taking Rangers back to the pinnacle of Scottish football so I would say that if anyone still harbours doubts about his ability as a football coach, a football manager, I think that maybe that's based on on other things. 
Yeah, there's a second part to this, which is, again, I think it's David Innes and Patreon that asked this, but was it a gradual process or defining moment when the penny dropped? And just to kind of and just to nip in a wee bit, David, I, I think that given the magnitude of what he faced when he took over, it was always going to be a gradual process in terms of, of, of Stephen Gerrard, you know, overcoming the hurdles to, to get the, the trophy back home. Easier to say it now, but I, I definitely think that there was many defining moments like the first victory over Celtic, victory over Parkhead, etc. So I, I do think it was a gradual process with many defining moments instead of it being either or. Yeah, I, I, I agree. I think the whole thing, uh, the title we that we chose for this show um, indicates that. It, I, I don't ever think it felt like, you know, there were, there were, there were big moments and big signposts you know the first time you know the first season when we we beat Ufa that that felt like a big moment and of course beating Celtic um at Ibrox and then of course beating Celtic at, at Parkhead and there were always these these moments but yeah I, I always felt it was like an, an evolutionary process and, and we talked about it in the episode it was quite an emotional episode about the you know that that spell after the Tyne Castle Cup game where we thought he might leave. I, I was still convinced that he was the man to get us there. Um, if he believed that, because that interview was worrying, and I think that we all felt, oh, I don't know if he he wants to continue. But I always felt that there had been enough signs of progress that we were going in the right direction. I, I was maybe more in the camp of we're just not going quickly enough but that we are in the right direction of travel. That, of course, does lead to the question of, well, is he maybe John the Baptist rather than Jesus? Do you know what I mean? He, is he the guy that shifts us from being a joke into a competitive force, but we need someone else to come in and take us that next step of the journey? Uh, that was a question I thought was was more legit about, you know, will he bring us success? I, I, I felt that at one point, yes, he definitely would. But would it come quickly enough was, was I thought, a, a question. And maybe would there be a time where it was advantageous to say, thank you for what you've done for us. You know, you've taken us from, you know, not to to 70, but we need to get to 100. And we've got somebody coming in who'll do that for us. But I, I always felt that, that he was somebody who, who learned and developed and pushed. And obviously it all came to, you know, a, a beautiful fit full stop is that is that the right term for it you know that we could see that yes now it has been achieved but for me it's always been a learning experience for him and for us and and for his, his players and for the squad as as they had to learn to win and and even us as a support we had to learn how to win again because we'd been through so much that I think it was important for us to to get over that line and and like I say I think that that now that we've done it then it's it's been like piercing that bubble that was getting ever bigger and bigger and bigger of pressure. And I think that now that it's it's gone, I think that you'll find that, that all of us are in a much better place, you know, us as a, a, a support and, and them as a player management team to go on and achieve further success. I would agree. Perfectly, perfectly put. There's not much more to add to that one. In terms of what comes next for the manager, how big a concern is burnout considering what we've seen from Liverpool and how do you think the manager will guard against it? That's from Pondo Sinatra on Patreon. Well, it's, I think it's always a concern for any team at any point. Um, I think that how how will we guard against it? I think that more squad rotation 
and it comes with having you know a three-year process behind you where he can trust more of his squad. Um, we've got stronger squad options as as well as being you know a very strong first eleven. There's a strong kind of twelve to eighteen there as well. So you know when we are nipping into the market and bringing in guys like Sakala and Lundstrom, who three four years ago when he first came would have been automatic first choices, but we're looking at them adding, you know, some serious strength to the squad. I think that's how we combat it, David. I think that's how we avoid um, burnout, and it'll be up to the manager to to see how he does it. But he does have, you know, we've got a squad now of 30 players, which obviously needs to come down quite a wee bit, but he has plenty of options, and, and I think that he has plenty of quality options. Now, when you look at the... The, the defence, he's got, you know, six centre-backs. When he looks at full-back, he's got Patterson, Tav, Borna, Bassi, etc. You know, there's there's good options in goals, good options in the middle. And up front, we've went from having Morelos to now having Morelos, Roof, Itten, Defoe, you know, Hadji, Sakala, Kent, Scotty Wright. So I, I think we have a, a plethora, David, of, of talent. And that's that's how he's going to do it. But I think also think the good thing as well is that these things will be fresh in his mind, because he's a Liverpool fan. He would have seen that, and of course he would have experienced you know glories of, of Champions League and things, and having no success in the seasons after it. So he knows what to look out for, and he knows how to manage it. In my opinion. Yeah, I think that I'm a great believer in teams, and this maybe goes back to when when Walter took over at Rangers um, in. You know, properly in the summer of 1991, and built his own team. He'd obviously guided us to the to the title just before it, and we had that amazing two year period. We won the double in the first year, and we won the treble and the amazing Champions League run the, the following season. And then there was quite clearly burnout the season after it. So I've always been a great believer that an up and coming team has it, it rises for a bit, and then it will plateau for a period, and then it will start to drop down. And that will happen to us, inevitably. I, I just don't believe that it's possible because there will come a point where you need to bed in new players and um, your rivals will, will probably be at a point in their journey where they're stronger as well. That can happen. So it will happen to us. I think football history tells us that. But I genuinely don't believe, Stevie, that we are even at the plateau stage yet. I think that we're still on the climb. Yeah, I think when you look at individual players, certainly individual talents, like Zavaribo, Kent, Hadji, they're the immediate ones that spring to ride. Scotty Wright, you know, these are guys that aren't anywhere near their peak yet for Rangers. So there's there's a lot more to come. Definitely would agree with that. Um, question number four, yeah. Um, so this is John Graham Patterson again, Patreon. And this is a good one. Was there a player signed during Gerrard's time or already there that was let go without getting the proper chance? Hmm. Well, you know me, I'll go to my grave thinking Greg Doherty. I think Greg's the obvious one. Um, if you ignore the big Umar Sadiq going for 60 million euro ridiculous stuff. I'll but, be honest, I couldn't see that one coming. Oh, no, that's crazy. But I think Greg Doherty for, would have been my answer, mate, as well. Yeah, and look, the football managers don't deliberately leave out guys that they think are going to come in and help them win. So... The, there will have been reasons, and Stephen Gerrard knows more about football than I do. I, I just really like Greg Docherty as a player, and I think that um, he's got levels. But sometimes, you know, it's it's maybe right club, wrong time. That can happen. There's a whole host of factors. But I, I do think he's a good player, and I think that, you know, he will go on and have a really decent career. 
Um, if the season had continued, uh, a lot of people asked this. Um, Stuart Thomas and Lauren McCrimmon on Patreon were the first, but a lot of people asked this. If the season had continued after the point it stopped due to COVID, would Steven Gerrard have walked away considering the results and how everything was going? You mentioned it um, a couple of minutes ago when we spoke about this on the, the episode. It, it was quite an emotional kind of, you know, we, we looked back and we, we spoke about it. I know that you said, you know, you were a massive Gerrard fan at the time. I remember now, and I spoke about this in the episodes as well, a very infamous kind of, um, blog that I put out after the Hamilton defeat in it, and it attacked quite a few of the players. But in it, it always it said that we we have to stick with Steven Gerrard, and mm. he is the man to to take us there. It's just I thought he was being too loyal to certain people. So as far as fans were concerned, I still think on the majority we were we were still behind them. But to the actual point. It's a really difficult one. It's it's not one, obviously, David, that we like to think about. But mm. I don't think he would have because I think that when you look back on his career and where he wants to go, when you look at you know what he achieved with, with Liverpool and and possibly you know moves to Chelsea and things, and he was all he's always very loyal, very committed, very you know very strong in what he believes in. So I think he was hurting like all of us. He was hurting at that point. I think that it was a very difficult moment for him. I would say, I, I hand in heart, I would say no. But I don't think, with that at the same time, David, I don't necessarily think we would have, you know, had a barnstorm and finished to the season mm. in terms of him quickly kind of turning it around on that. I think that he possibly... Would have would have learned more about certain individuals, and and they might have found form or, or not found form. So, I think maybe it saved a lot more than just Steven Gerrard, and that's that's a nice way of putting it. Because I think maybe certain players who were in a right slump, you know, were allowed to go away, galvanise, get themselves a better frame of mind and things. So it's not only a question about Gerrard; it's also a question about the players, but. The way they turned it round, you know, was magnificent, obviously. Would he have walked away in answer instead of waffling on like I am? No, I don't believe he would have. I want to circle back to something you said in your answer, Stephen, because I thought it was a really, really important point um, and one that I think needs mentioned. And that was that although there was a lot of concern among supporters and there was a, a fair few fans who thought it's time for change, I don't think we'd reached tipping point. I don't think we'd reached that critical mass of supporters saying, nah, I don't believe in him, I've given up on him. But we'd Celtic to play twice. Had we lost both those games, and and even worse, had it maybe been a heavy defeat or a couple of heavy defeats, would that have changed it? And would the atmosphere at grounds have been a little bit ugly? I, I don't think he would have walked away lightly, but obviously, if, if he got the impression that the fans didn't want him there, would that have been different? Now, the opposite could have happened. We could have won all our games and Celtic could have collapsed and we could have won the league. We'll never know. It, it, it's a total, you know, what-if moment. Personally, I, I don't think we would have got scudded, but I don't think we would have come back and won the league either. Um, and I... I, I Again, I, I don't know. It, it saved it getting worse. It stopped it getting better as well, but it also saved it getting worse. 
where we are now, we can sit and, and say that it worked out absolutely perfectly for us because it gave them time and space to go away and focus and, and realise maybe that, that we were closer than we thought we were. Um, but yeah, it absolutely could have. It could have degenerated into a situation where for everyone's sake that the manager sat down with the board at the end of the season and say, look, the fans have given up on me and you know I, I don't have their trust and therefore I think it's better for everyone if I go. Equally, it could have gone the other way and he could have you know, had the best comeback since Helicopter Sunday. But I just think that it is probably better that we just, you know, as you say, the sliding doors moment, we just go, phew, and be glad how, how it did work out. Question six is from Ross French on Patreon. Uh, he, he asks, this is impossible to answer, I think, but he asks, who is Stephen Gerrard's best signing at Rangers? And who is the most improved? Oh, wow. Um, that's a good question. Yeah, it's a good one, isn't it? Yeah. Um, I'm going to say that his best signing, and I'm going to go on here pound for pound. Well, Alan McGregor. But there will always be that suspicion that he was somebody who was lined up anyway. And Gerard okayed it, obviously, but... A guy who was an absolute Gerard signing, I would say, is Connor Goldson. And I think, you know, his contribution over the three years that he's been there has been huge. For me, though, the most improved is is Glenn Kamara. Not because he was rubbish, but we were signing a guy from Dundee. Okay, let's not forget that. I know we go 50 grand. I know he was going to be out of contract, but he was coming from Dundee and now we wouldn't be happy if if he left the club for less than twenty million pounds. That is an improvement. Yeah. Um so you know the great thing, David, is that there's this is very subjective into your own personal opinion because you could name six or seven. Look at Borna when he first came and then, you know, we know his story and look at him now. You look at Tav, look how much he's improved. Goldson obviously. Um Hollander's been exceptional. Then you look in, in the middle, Stephen Davis. Yeah. And, and there's, so, there's so many. You, uh, look at Alfredo. You know, Alfredo, Ryan Kent. Look how good Ryan Kent is now. Obviously, Alfredo's answer, improvement is, oh, is phenomenal. phenomenal. You know, phenomenal. Yeah. Um, obviously, his best signing is Scott Wright. Of course. So we'll, we'll gloss past that. But mm-hmm. I, I don't know. In all seriousness, I would tend to say Connor Goldson as well, given given the defensive situation we were in at the time and, and he was a rock what we needed and his overall improvement, David, to be this this one last year who was almost robotic, like not a mistake in him from where he went. You know, he was just he was a leader, he was everything, everything that, that we needed. So it, as I said, it's subjective. There is so many and I think that highlights just what a good job the management have done as well. So that's a great question. Yeah, and I don't, I, I don't think we're going to sit here and try and pretend that that everyone's been brilliant all the time, and it's just been no. a straight upward curve. There's been dips in form. There's been times that you know Goldson was was very poor, as the whole team were just you know before the the, the COVID shutdown. That that's a fact. Stephen Davis, there were a couple of times when you were looking at it and going, hmm, is is it maybe one season too many for him? So there were ups and downs for everyone. But I just think overall, as you say, I go back to the, you know, the last game before Gerard, 5-5 five, five with Hibs, and we were a shambles at the back. Ooh. And no matter what happened the following season, we were never that. 
bar maybe what one game in Moscow. Um, that apart, we were always decent. So yeah, a, a really good question though. I, I absolutely agree with that one. Okay, um, this one comes from Gordon Somerville on Patreon. He says, how big and how important was winning the Friendly Cup in France last year to set the mindset and tone ahead of winning more last season? Well, uh, on the face of it, it, it wasn't really that important at all to, to, to Rangers, etc. But to those players who were mentally maybe a wee bit fragile from what went on, two really good results, David, as well, two good performances... Um, I, th- I think in terms of where we were at that point, yeah, it was important, and it's, it also sets a sets a mind mindset, you know, that that we we are a good side, we we can play well, we can do well, and it would have given them a wee bit of encouragement, a wee bit of belief as well. So, although we, you know, this is Rangers, we don't want to sit here and say, you know, a friendly tournament in in France was really important and really big. But it's a great point because, see, in a weird way, it probably was exactly what we needed at that point for a squad-wise, for individual-wise as well. So, good again, it's a good point. Uh, it was important. I'm not going to overly play it, but mm-hmm. definitely important to where we were at the time, I would say. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't tend to send a uh, to, to set a great deal of importance in, in friendlies. Um, I think they are about fitness. But, if, yeah, if you're getting cuffed in them, it's going to damage your confidence. And, obviously, if you're winning and playing well, and Rangers did, then that helped. I, I'm not sure winning it really mattered particularly because it was only a... Yeah, it was a four-team tournament and you didn't play one of the other teams. So, I, I don't think it was... It, the players were... That they took any great... Um, right now we've won this we can go on and win other things I don't think that happened um, from what from what I'm told uh, some of the players walked off the, the field <laughs> they didn't realise they got a trophy <laughs> at the end of it <laughs> so um, I don't think it, it, it was huge in that regard but confidence building absolutely I, I think we all felt you know we'd beat Leon, a really good side and had, we'd, we'd watch them not that long before beat Manchester City, of course. So, um, yeah, of course, you, you take confidence from that, and I, and I think that we very much did. Yeah, so next one, David. Um, it, there was a lot of questions like this, I would think, that a lot of people concerned, you know, what happened next. Alan Ryder, again, Patreon asks, if, this is kind of three parts as well, David, so I'll run through them, but if Gerard goes, does the whole backroom staff go? How does Ross Wilson solve that? And will he look for entirely new backroom staff? If that's the case, some of them stay, or is it all separate? So is there, uh, there's a lot to that, David. I was always of the opinion that if Gerard goes, they all go. I was always of that opinion. But I'm not 100% sure now that that is the case, no. I'm not saying that it definitely isn't either. Uh, I'm just saying I've moved a bit from the absolutely. I was, you know, convinced they were here as a unit, and when when he left, they went with him. I was convinced of that, dead set. And now I, I'm not so sure. I think if opportunities opened up at Rangers for some of the people in the coaching staff, that they would certainly consider it. And again, they might still decide to, to go with Gerard. What does Rolf, Ross Wilson will know better than me the script with that. And secondly, I think that he'll be talking to them. So he'll have a much better idea than I do about that. If it is the case and they do all go, uh 
or if some of them stay and, and get promoted, then in terms of bringing in a new backroom team, you have to let a manager bring his backroom team in. Um, you don't have to let him do a Sam Allardyce and bring in, what is it, like 23 people he brings in when he arrives at a club. I don't think you have to do that, but I do think you need to say to him, right, you know, you pick your number two, your head coach, your fitness guy. I, I do believe that, that that has to happen, yes. At, at any club, at any managerial, I don't, I don't think it's ever a, a great idea to, to put somebody in because generally speaking, generally, when you're looking for a new manager at, at our club, it's because the, the previous person has left for a reason and usually that reason is disappointment so to keep the same coaches who played a part in that disappointment I, I i don't particularly see the the benefit and but it, the other situation that's different is soon as if gerard was to go i mean if gerard was to go and michael beale was to to put his hand up and and apply for the job and things had been going really well and the board thought he was an important part of it and had the skills for the job then i don't think anyone would be upset equally if we had a disastrous season and things went really badly and Gerard left. Um, and Michael Beale, just for example, Michael Beale, it could be Tom Culture or, or whatever, but if they put their hand up, that would change it. So it will depend on circumstances, when it happens, who who it's to, of course. I think there's always been an assumption of who it might be, but that isn't necessarily going to be the case. So, yeah, I think it's a fluid situation. I'm sure you know the, the, there's been some discussions with uh, Ross Wilson about that, about what the the next steps will be, and, and I'm sure that there's always some succession planning goes on in any business. Yeah, I hate to sound like the kind of nodding dog that agrees, but I, I don't. I'm like you. I think it's a, a fluid one. And the next question is is kind of similar to ones we've had as well, David. So I think it's on the same theme. Yeah, it's uh, where do you think that Ross Wilson, the board and the club are at with this prospect now of Gerard leaving? Will they be planning for that? And that's from Stuart McDonald on Patreon. It goes a wee bit back to the one we answered before in, in terms of, you know, I, I think I think every good club has a successive plan. But I think that I, I don't think it would happen suddenly. Like, I don't think Stephen Gerrard suddenly coming in tomorrow and walking out. I think the club will be given fair warning, in which case they, they will have an idea that's Ross Wilson's job you know he, he does it well I, I believe just like signing so I don't think overly need to go over that David did is not not a criticism of the of the question or anything just we've slightly covered it as well and, I, and you know to be honest I don't want to talk about I'm leaving so no, I, I'm, I'm not ready, I'm not ready for that yet David nope totally agree so the next one this is a good one as well in terms of it comes from David Dave Davy on Patreon. <laughs> he says, um, "What is your expectation for this season?" He's a wee bit worried that he's heading towards another ninety three ninety four season, and we may have to wait for Champions League qualification. Well, that obviously could happen. The the Champions League qualification because you, you're going to have tough matches, and anything can happen in that. It's not exactly a lottery, but you know, a, a key injury or a COVID outbreak or a sending off early things can happen in these matches we get that so nobody knows I don't think we're heading for a 93-94 yet I think there will be a season that comes along like that where players are maybe struggling for form or showing a bit of fatigue um, but I, I don't think we're there yet I, as I say I think 
I think the last year more is our 91, 92, our breakthrough season, and I think this year will be, you know, the the the, the continual improvement season. Does that then mean that maybe next year, possibly, possibly? But I just think right now we're in a good spot. I don't think that, you know, the only team that could rival us for the title are in a good spot, uh, and I think that those combined more than enough to 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 give us the kind of start that we'll need. Champions League, yeah. Um, obviously, right now we can only look ahead to to the first tie that we've got, which will be against either Malmo or, or HJK Helsinki at the time of recording. It sits two one. Um, no away goals, obviously now, but the next leg in Helsinki. So I don't think we can even guarantee who we're going to come up against. Uh, and then we'll need to to just take that game as it comes, as they say. But yeah, I, I still think that that we have a lot to be positive in terms of the the side. I, I think that the side will will have enough about it this year to to go on and retain its title. But we will inevitably see a dip at one point, Stevie. It's just not possible that we won't. Yeah, I would agree. But I think he's asking the wrong people in terms of if he's worried about a slump in the Champions League and that because as people know, we're mega positive anyway. Mm. So, you know, I'm, I'm looking forward to a really positive season and I, I'm looking forward to and hoping for Champions League qualification. I know we've got to be respectful, David, to Malmo and Helsinki, who are first up in that, but we should really scud them. And I don't mean that to sound bad, but I think we're at that level now where we're well above where they are. Um, I think we should be, yeah. And I think yeah, we should, you know, definitely should be. So yeah. I'm, I'm looking forward to it. I'm, I'm, you know, I know it's going to be a harder draw after that if we get there, hopefully. But I'm ready for it, and I know how good we can be. So no, I'm, you know, I appreciate what you said, and but it is, you, you know, what I'm like, I'm, I'm positive and looking forward to the season ahead. So here's one for <laughs> you then, just on that. Now the chances are, at some point, we're going to lose a league match. Right, it it probably is going to happen statistically. Last season was the unusual one. Do we as supporters have to play our part a little bit and maybe try not to overreact, or is it just simply inevitable in this age of of Twitter, social media, and yes, podcasts and blogs that the focus will be huge and intense, and there will be the the kind of almost post levy reaction that we saw last season. Well, I feel slightly attacked, David, because is that aimed towards me? Because no, I, 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 no, I'm kidding. No, you no, I'm just I'm saying. Like no, I'm, I'm not having people say that we're hypocrites, right? Because you know we we can't sit here and say, oh, there's so much attention as we're sitting recording our Rangers podcast. <laughs> you know? So it's it's just about you know we're, we admit, yeah, we're we're very much a part of that as well. But you know, it will because it will happen, right? I hope it doesn't chances are at some point it probably will especially if we do make the Champions League incidentally because you know it's going to be very demanding on the old legs um, I would just I, I would say to that then mate that genuinely I'd hope that we as a fan base are in a better place in terms of the, the pressures off as the league has been delivered so it will happen I agree with you I think it's an almighty ass to go through the year again unbeaten um, I would swap that right now for a couple of cups in the league being retained, by the way. Um, no problem at all. But I would say that just I hope that if and when it does happen, we you know, we, we don't um, we do what we normally do. But as you said, it's, it's social media and things. I think there will be... It goes back to a wee bit like last season when we drew against Motherwell. 
in um, February time, and it, and it was just a case of, oh, well, you know, it's it's happened, it's okay, and it, and it wasn't the kind of ferociousness it has before. I would hope that that people were relaxed and and take it because you can't win every game, you can't go and beat all, you know, for for years. So, no, I, I would be I would be hopeful that we as a, a fan base are a wee bit more. Um, relaxed than, than where we were previously. You see that edge, that kind of desperate edge, David, that, mm. to win something. I, I would hope and believe that that would go or, or be gone now to, to enjoy a wee bit more where we are. Um, Thomas on Patreon asks, do you think we've benefited from no loans in season 2021 like Ojo or that blonde goon from Forest who played no matter what? I think he means Joe Worrell and I don't think he likes him. No, I don't, and we know who Thomas is, so that's that's very... <laughs> Very him. So I, I um, call I call him Moaning Lisa. So you know uh, his favourite song is Moany Moany by Billy Idol. Um, well, I work with him, so um, He's a, a big yeah. moaner. Um, do we have we benefited? Well, I think the loan players done all right for us. You know, I wouldn't be overly critical of of any of the loan ones. You know, especially since we got Ryan Kent. I think it's more. Again, it, it kind of fits in with what we're doing now. It's more like the evolution of the squad in terms of we don't need loan players now. Mm. Before we needed them, I don't think we do now. I think the squad's strong enough. I think we've got a scouting, you know, in place. We, whereas we might have had loans this year, David. We've went and got Sakala and Lundstrom, so we're we're kind of we're exploring the free transfers and, and doing better that way. Have we benefited from it? If they're good enough and we're getting them on loan, I still don't mind. You know, if you would have said to me, and obviously I'm biased, but if you had said we could have got wee Billy up on loan for the year, mm. you know, I would have taken that and I would have been overjoyed with that signing. So if they're good enough and they're available even for loan, I, I think it would be naive for a club like ours not to explore everything available. So, no, have we benefited? I, I like Tojo. I thought, he, you know, he did very quickly kind of go off the boil. Warrell was a bit hit and miss. Again, you know, had a few mistakes in him, but I think that if if Joe Worrell played beside Goldson now, he would he would benefit from a much better player. So I hate to disagree with Mo Powell, but um, I'm going to disagree on this one. I don't know what you think. I think it's a tough one. I think that if you are loaning players that are very good players who just aren't getting picked by the squad by you know say it's an English team and they've got a huge squad and a guy's a wee bit out of favour um, and you can pick him up for a year that's maybe different to bringing in an academy player on loan where they aren't the finished article they are going to make errors that's why the club are sending you there a guy like that so a guy like you know Warrell yep Ojo these guys they're not going to play well every week that's they're up here to do that. That's that's one of the reasons they're on loan. And you're right, we don't need to take players like that anymore. Whereas at the time we did, you know, financially we, we needed to do that to boost the to, you know, to, to just boost the squad. Um I'm, wouldn't be averse to a loan, as I say, of a, a really good player who just wasn't getting game time at his parent club because, you know, they've got so much money and a squad I eight thousand, as we see. Um but I do think maybe the advantage is in that I think when things are bad, then if you're a lone player, you have an escape and you can have that at the back of your mind. I think you can say, well, you know, I'm I'm going back in three months, four months or whatever. So I don't I don't really need to worry. And I think you can kind of hold yourself slightly above that 
Um, when I, I don't mean be arrogant, I just mean that you you have at the back of your mind, well, this isn't as bad for me as it is for them. Whereas I think for all the other players, when you're permanent and you're you know you've decided to sign on with this club for X amount of years, then I think you're just a wee bit more committed to it. And I think that's just human nature. It's the difference between you know having a full time contract at a job and maybe a short term contract at a job. Um, I, I've done both, and I know that you just you have more ownership and more kind of pride of establishment when you're permanent. So maybe that, but I, I just think we've moved moved past the days of taking academy players on loan from England and, um, you know, try to polish them up a bit and send them back. I don't think that that, that, that we're in that market anymore. I would agree with that. It's a wee bit like the Ajaria situation, isn't it? Who could have been, you know, I, I think, I believe that he had the same sort of skill set as, as Joe Rebo, but, very quickly kind of put the towel in and decided that he didn't like the pressure and, and that was for him. So I would agree with, with that as well, David. Um, brings us nicely on to the next one, actually, Ryan on, on Patreon, asking how has Gerard evolved from player recruitment point of view? Um, he thinks that he's learned a lot um, and that that leads into, he believes, that less loans, etc. have been better from the squad. What's your thoughts on that? Well, to go back to that, I don't think that, you know, Gerard arrived in, in summer 2018 and thought, let's get lots of loans. Uh, you know, that he, he wants players to come in and work with and, and be his player and be committed to him. It, it was just the reality of the situation. We had to get 14 players in that summer. And when you can bring in a loan deal, one, there's not a huge financial commitment to it. Two, I think it's quite common for a manager to go back to a previous club, which he did for obviously Kent and in the area, and get players that they've they've worked with before. But I, I think what he's learned perhaps is that there's a certain type of player that will do well in Scotland, and that talent alone isn't really enough. Like I've got no doubt that Eros Grejda is a talented player, but didn't work out. Umar Sadiq clearly is a good player. He's got ability that, that we never saw, but he just, I think, took one look at the Scottish game and went, nah, this isn't for me. Um, so I think that that, the type of player that we need to bring in, he looks at and says, yeah. So for instance, a Lundstrom is a guy that you look at and you think, yeah, he's got the physical attributes to, to play in our league. Um, and again, just as the squad's got better, that we don't have as many holes to fill, so we don't need to to maybe balance stuff out. Whereas now we can maybe wait for one quality player, as opposed to saying I need to take three players who are not as good because I've got three needs in the squad. I, I think that's helped. Yeah, I would agree with that. Um, I would, I would, I would probably add to that as well that, and and agreement with what you're saying. It goes back to what we needed when he first came in, and we needed 20 players, and you can't do that in one window. And that was something that we were trying to say, that, that you know the club were trying to, to get out to the fans, that this wasn't a one-season, one-window thing. So I think we can be more you know, we can be more picky about who we need now. It's, it's, it's definitely a case of quantity um, is, is no longer needed. It's quality. So, no, I would agree with that. And David, I know that this this is your next one, but this is aimed for you. So I'm going to ask you this, if that's all right. Um, it comes from Lisa on Patreon. It's a really good one as well. It gives us a wee insight into a lot of work that you've done this year. And you, David, remembers, she remembers you saying that Gerard was very charged on Euro nights. So she wanted to know what it was like interviewing Stephen Gerrard and getting your questions to him on the really big nights like Benfica and things like that. 
he's he's in the zone, you know. He's he's very much in the zone, and there, there's an edge to him. Um, is how I would describe it. He, you know, you can see there's there's like a laser like focus, and I think that you you can tell that he's you know very very much up there. I think he's got that intensity about him anyway. I think he's naturally an intense person when it comes to to football, but you can absolutely spot the difference in him between that and say like a normal press conference um because at a normal press conference believe it or not a, a lot of it gets gets cut out um of, of the videos that go out he will have a laugh and a joke um with with the press and you know he'll, he'll sit and banter back and forth and and he tends to be a wee bit um more patient with people whereas i think on on european nights especially just after the game um he's he's incredibly intense you know after any other the match he's, he's he's very very much someone that that you just can sense as soon as he walks into the room you can you know you feel the charge you feel the electricity off him um and i think i i, I think that happens to a lot of my i think you know when we sit and watch a, a pep guardiola um or a, a thomas tuchel you know you can see the difference between them on a non-match day and a match day it, it is huge. And I think that, that Gerard has that as well. I think it's, it's easy. He's training Stephen of over the years of being a guy who's played so many big matches that I think his body rhythms are suited to it so that he peaks at the right times. I think he's just, I think it's a second nature thing to him now. I think he just goes into, you know, huge game mode. Um, old fun days are the same. Old firm days are the same. He's, he's he's exactly the same. Where you just know that he is absolutely at the peak of what he's doing, and and you know he's 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 laser like uh, in his intensity. I would add um, just before I get to the second part as as well as obviously you've you, I've done wee bits and pieces and and it's something that we covered as well in in the actual in the series is just the stature of Gerard is when he walks in a room or, or when he sits and does, you know, questions and things like that. He is very like Walter Smith. He commands the room. Yeah. You've got ultimate respect for him already. A lot different, as we spoke about again, um, in case people haven't heard it, we spoke about the difference between him and Gary Mack. When Gary takes uh, the, the pressers, it's a lot more relaxed. He's a lot more laid back. So it's not a bad thing. I mean, we spoke about that, obviously. But... She goes on to ask David, um, who does the talking on the sidelines? Um, because and, and hopefully they don't swear as much as Alan McGregor. So give us a wee, wee bit of an insight, if you can, into the sidelines. And also tell us, tell us, you've told me so many good stories about McGregor as well. It's a good <laughs> time to, to get one of them in. Um, I think they all do. You know, they all, uh, not constantly, none of them are constant shouters. Like uh, there was a game... The two games at Ibrox last season where you know you could sit and obviously watch because of no noise at all really other than what was coming from the pitch and and I remember and I'm not being critical of a guy I don't know him from Adam I'm I'm just saying that the guy who I found really unimpressive was Mickey Mellon uh, of Dundee United where it was just a non-stop stream of of rubbish really. Um, David Martindale for example is a big talker but it's always about the game. You know, whereas with with Mellon, it's just irrelevant to the point where I thought he's he's actually putting his players off. You know, because 
imagine your face it. Watch the first goal against the United in the in the four 0 win um, at Ibrox earlier in the season. And if you see the SPFL footage, I remember this really clearly. Ryan Kent is tearing in at his centre defence, and Mellon ran down the touchline shouting at him, There he is, there he is, watch him, watch him, there's your work, you know what to do. And I was going, Just shut up. You know, he's got Ryan Kent coming at him at full pelt. And of course, Kent waltzes past them and scores a goal. Um, so none of them are like that. It's not like a constant stream of drivel, but if they see something, you know, happening, Gerard will shout, Culshaw. Um, I'll shout something occasionally to a player, uh, especially if a set piece is coming up. Tom Culture will do that. Gary McAllister will shout things if he's noticing something. Michael Beale clearly um, across doing tactical instructions. So they all have the, the the freedom to do that, but none of them are, as I say, just right. I'm, I'm going to just talk for talking's sake. They they don't do that because they watch the game as you know to to see what's happening. Uh, I think you've got to give yourself room to do that. And and they do that. Um, Alan McGregor, um, just he, he is just absolutely magnificent. He's just a guy who, when he's he's on the field, he's 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 talking is just constantly. I think that we all know that the the ban he got for that Aberdeen game rankles with him highly. And at any time that there's a bad tackle in a game, you'll hear him for the referee from 40 yards away going, I get two games for that. And it clearly still annoys him to this day. So he's he's brilliant. He's just, he's, he's but he'll, he'll get on his own team as well. Um, I remember the last game of season against Aberdeen, we're 3-0 up. We're waiting on the, the title procession, really, the title, you know, the, the, they're getting the stuff out of the side to get ready for it. Um, and Ryan Kent doddled in the ball and McGregor ran out his goal, and he's like, Raza, what the fuck was that? And I just thought, winner. Winner. Really that simple. I always remember the, the clip of him, um, which he heard on, on Rangers. I'm sure it was in, inside the, the show that Rangers put out of the, the tackle by Curtis Mayne on Borna Barisic up at Pataudry when we won 2-1 just after Christmas time. And like you said, he was just hilarious. You know, that's the problem with the referees in Scotland. So inconsistent. I got two like you say, I got two <laughs> games for that. And uh, how how fucking high does that need to be before you're gonna send him off, etc. So Oh he's he's he's, he's is that he's, no dangerous? Is that is that no reckless? Ah, ah that's like, it, yeah. And it's, it's unreal. It's, but even at corner kicks and stuff, you know, you you'll just hear him piping up and going this guy's got enough room to build a wall. Um, you know, and somebody will go over and mark him. He just, he keeps on at them and he's absolutely brilliant. You're right, um, well, it's a winner. So That's exactly that. I'll take this one then, mate. Can you think of another manager who could have come in and done what Steven Gerrard has done? I think many would have struggled to adapt tactics and players in such a short space of time and I believe it's his biggest strength. And that's from Graham Roy on Patreon. No. That's, a, that's the honest answer. There was nobody at that time, who had the stature, who had the, um, who was who was able, David, to have the balls to come in and, and do it. Because, right, we know that, that Gerard, you know, we know what he's like and we've tried to kind of put it across as well, the stature of him and stuff. But he's obviously got the right amount of arrogance and self-belief in himself, so he wasn't taking, you know, we hark back on to 2018, he wasn't walking into a job that was 
was easy. He, he's walking into a, a club and a squad that, that standards were dramatically down to where they, they shouldn't be. And we needed somebody that that had that stature and had that you know self-belief that could have come in. And I don't think at that point there was anybody that was getting linked for the job that you would have you would have said yeah he could have come in and done a, done a Stephen Gerrard job. I don't, I, you know, I think you, time, you and I can get you know it's been long enough I think now that you and I can can maybe give away something that that was uh, <laughs> true. But the the list that McInnes had topped, there were guys I know you know this we we discussed it at the time. That list included people like Derek Adam and Darren Ferguson. Oh, now oh. how frightening is that? And remember, of course, that that the first choice on that list knocked the job back. So that was the sort of level that we were contemplating, you know. And thankfully, we didn't go for. But that is frightening, really. Um, and 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 as you and I discussed the the weekend, actually, see when you look on it. It was madness for Stephen Gerrard to take this job, you know, given the circumstances, given the state Angels were in and what we were asking him to do. We we basically said to him, look, we're miles and miles behind um, our rivals. Our support are agitated to the point of, you know, ready to storm the gates. They're so desperate for success. We need you to get that success. Oh, by the way, you've got kind of half the budget of the other side who've just won everything for X amount of years. It's crazy. And I think that goes back to your point, character, belief, inner strength. Yeah, you need to be a good coach, but I think to manage Rangers successfully, there's an X factor and we might not be able to identify it easily, but we all know it when we see it. And I think he has it. Yeah, I think great expression. Walter had it. Graham Sooners had it. Even Alex McLeish had Dick it. had it, yeah. You know, to that that or Dick Advocate had it as well. Obviously, um, I yeah, great great point. Brings us on nicely. This is a wee bit different, David, and it's really really relevant to to what we're talking about. William Aston and Patreon, he makes a point, and we can turn this into a bit of a question as well. He says that he listened to Gerard on Jim White's TalkSport show and he said a full review of the club would now happen and that would basically came days after we'd thought for COVID and uh, he said he was going to go right you know, right down to the very bottom of, of where we could improve and he would make sure he could be ready and he felt that it galvanised him um, galvanised his support and he felt from that moment it kind of changed everything it was more or less the, the perfect uplifting that he needed after the way the, the season had been brought to a a whole that's more of a statement from him in terms of that, but it, it's something that we didn't cover, David. Um, and it, it's a it's a really big point in terms of I think when you look at Gerard and as a leader and as a manager, I think it shows the effect that he can have with his words and how he can, you know, and how he has that stature to galvanise a whole support in that. What do you make of the whole Jim White thing and, and what um, William was making, the point he was making there? I think it's a very good point. I think that, you know, clearly something massive changed. There was a sea change in attitude because Rangers come out the next season looking different. And I know that we all said, even when it was going well, 
I well, I'm not getting ahead of myself until after Christmas because we've seen this before. But they did seem, and this is not hindsight because people were discussing it on the Patreon site on on Twitter. You, you were discussing it in your blogs. They just seemed to carry themselves differently with more assurance, and and I think it was maybe forged in fire a wee bit, Stephen. You know the the. The, the end of that previous season and just how difficult it was and then how difficult life was for all of us. They're humans as well. They were going through the same thing, Zoom calls, not allowed out the house. and You know, it doesn't matter that they're, they're footballers. They were going through all that as well. And then the way that footballers were having to live in terms of bubbles and whatnot and, and very strict protocols, that there was just something forged in that. And I think that there was a feeling of we've come through this together both as squads, players, and the management team. And there was this feeling of, I think, that, you know, look, we've, we've overcome that adversity. Now, we, we could have buckled and we haven't. You know, half a dozen years could have been playing at a different club this season. The manager could have been somewhere else. But we're not. We're all still here. And we, you know, if we can get through that, we can get through anything. And I think that that, that happened. But that is you know, an emotional thing and abstract things do matter in sport and they do matter in life and, it, and it's a case here, but it's not enough. You can't win titles on rhetoric and good words alone. There were technical things that happened too, absolutely. There were things that I'm sure they looked at and not all of it negatively, you know what I mean? I, I don't think that everything was, right, that's rubbish and needs to be changed and that. I think that they were able to say, Actually, do you know what? We're not far away with that. This is maybe what we need to do to improve it. That does need change. But this actually is fine. This is working for us. So I think there was that whole overview. They were able to step back because when you're right at the coalface of a season with Rangers, it never, ever, ever lets up. It took a pandemic, these exceptional circumstances, three months of, of inertia for the planet for them to have that space to be able to say, right, we'll go back. Because imagine that the season had played out and we just had a normal summer with the Euros and whatnot, all the transfer business. They're, they're, you never get time like that. And it was how you use it. And I am going to, you know, we, we we try not to talk about that lot too often because they're so far in our slipstream. But they didn't use that time. They 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 dawdled. They marked time. They they got worse through it the 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 entropy set in with them whereas i think rangers used that time to smooth out processes repair broken ones strengthen ones that did work and then as i say along with that mental we've come through this period of adversity i think what you had was a very efficient squad that had been bonded together yeah the only the only thing i would add to that actually i think it you know Maybe repeating myself slightly, but I think it speaks volumes for the stature of, of Stephen Gerrard himself when he can deliver an interview like that, you know, weeks after how it had ended for us, which was very grim. Um, and he can galvanise and, and mobilise, you know, a, a support the way he did for that. So, no, again, I, I think a great point. Um, and it, it does, you know, it speaks a lot for, for Gerard, I think. 
Who had the bigger impact last season, Jack or Arfield from Big Willie Style on Patreon? And he said, also looking to this season, who of them is going to play more given their injury situations, etc.? I'm glad you're getting this one. The answer is that they, they both had a massive impact at different points in the season. Scotty Arfield had a run from September to November before he got injured where he was sensational. Ryan Jack, similarly, um, just around about that time finishing, he was very steady when it came to October, November, December. He was exceptional. Both, unfortunately, picked up kind of nasty injuries. Um, the thing with, do you know why I would plump for our field on this, David? And it, and it's probably un, unfair on, on Ryan Jack because Ryan Jack was consistently very good. But I looked at Scott Arfield at the start of the season as being a bit part player. And his form made him undroppable. And he was getting in ahead of Joe Rebo and things. So I think his appetite, and he's somebody that I really enjoy listening to speaking as well. When he spoke at the end of the season, just after we beat Aberdeen, he, he spoke about how the squad were already determined to right the wrongs of the Cups and things like that going into next season. So I can see him being a big part of the dressing room. And that's not a slight on Ryan Jack. It's just that that maybe he, you know, he puts himself forward for more interviews and things. He's more vocal. But I think that that could be something that that, that he um, brings into the, the change room as well. A, a leader. Maybe not McGregor Goldson, but you need different types. And I think he would be one as well. Looking to this season, who's going to play more? I, I hope they're both available. Um, I, you know, Scotty Arfield's already fit. Ryan Jack's got a bit more to come back. I'm really desperate for Ryan Jack to get over his his problems. I think we're going to have to be patient with him, though. I'm not sure that he's ever going to be in the position where he can play 50, 60 games for Rangers like Stephen Davis does. Mm -hmm. But I hope we can get to the point where we can bring in Lundstrom, for example, for, for, for games that we can rotate him and things like that. So I think we're better placed to handle or manage Ryan Jack, certainly this season. Um, I, I don't have a favourite between them. I think they're both vitally important and they're two players that I really like. Yeah, I, I would agree. I think that Arfield had the bigger um had the bigger on field part last season. Um because there were times that, that he was just in sensational form. Uh and he was unlucky really that, that when injuries came along he was absolutely flying. So for me, I, I, Ryan Jack did play his part, of course. I mean the goal against Kilmarna, crucial what a goal it was, incidentally, just you know, beautiful. Um but what what I will say though about Ryan Jack is uh, at the end of last season, Rangers ran a, a an online coaching thing. Uh, I'm sure some of you might have seen, and and um, I I bought the package so that I could I could watch the because you know, I'm interested in that that side of the game, and and I'm a geek who never leaves the house, so I've got time to watch it. Um, and there was an interview at the end of the week with Stephen Gerrard and Gary McAllister. And Stephen Gerrard was absolutely, he, he waxed lyrical about Ryan Jack. And I've heard him do that before, but in this, he was, you know, you have such a huge presence in the dressing room and he's so important and he helps me get across, you know, my message and, and he gets it and then he takes it forward and he leads and he makes sure the other boys do it as well. So what I will say is that I think that while there's a chance of Ryan Jack getting fit. You'll always have an opportunity under Stephen Gerrard because I think Gerrard rates him as a professional and as a man. Um, this is maybe something that that we don't, you know, talk a lot. But Stephen, that's a term he uses quite a bit 
if you watch interviews with him, folk and think back. It's something that, but he'll talk about he's a man, you know. It, 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 it's a real bit of praise from him. And I think what he means by that is that he conducts himself in the way that Steven Gerrard considers right for a footballer to do. And I think that that's a big praise thing for him when he says it. So, yeah, um, I think if Ryan Jack was to get fit, he would play more than, than our field just because he does a different position with maybe not quite so much competition. Um, Scotty Arfield playing that bit further up where we are kind of blessed with some real talented players. But I just hope they both they, they both deserve an injury-free season. You know, if, if anybody did, it's it's these two guys. Ah, that's a good one, Stevie. That's from Graham McKenzie on Patreon. He says, what would you think about offering the job to McAllister or Beal? It's worked before with Smith if Steven Gerrard leaves. Um... <clears throat> I wouldn't be overly against it, but there would be the there would be the alarm bells ringing in terms of Ali McCoist getting it. Now I know that Ali got it under horrible circumstances, and we'll we'll never know how good Ali could have been if you know he he had a better boardroom and an owner behind him, etc. But I would be a wee bit I would be a wee bit battle scarred and a wee bit worried about that. But in terms of is either of them capable of doing the job, then absolutely I think they would be. I think, ironically, David, and, and this, this may be maybe left field, but I would be more intent to, to give it to Michael Beale than I would be to give it to Gary McAllister. Sometimes people are just really good assistants. I think Gary McAllister is a really good assistant. I think Michael Beale is in natural progression to be... Michael Beale has an aura around him that I mm. think is, is similar He's not Steven Gerrard level, but he has an aura and a respect from the players around him. And I'm not saying that Gary Mack doesn't, but I just think that that Beal, to me, seems to be the, the natural, you know, natural progressor to, to Steven Gerrard. I, I, you know, that's based on on somebody that doesn't see them every day, doesn't know the ins and outs. So it's, it could be really unfair on Gary Mack, you know, me saying that. But it's just when I watch Michael Beal. When I listen to him speak, I listen to you know, I love listening to him talk about tactics and things like that. For me, he's a he's a natural one out of the two from what I've seen. But that's yeah. that, it's it's no, some, you know, that's opinion. Hundred percent hundred percent agreement um with you on that one. I don't think Gary McAllister would be or would see himself as a contender for the manager's job. I think Gary, you know, he's been about football, he's had some managerial jobs. Um, he is an excellent number two. And it is a skill set, incidentally. It is a, a specific thing. Not everyone can do it. Um, and he's very, very good at it. Um, but I don't think he sees himself in that. And I don't think that he would be in line for it. Michael Beale is different. He, you know, he has coaching ambitions. He's spoken about this on, on his own blog, which is excellent, and he's spoken about it in interviews, that he does have ambitions. And that's what I mean about in the old days, I was kind of convinced they would all go as one. I think with Michael Beale, just based on listening to him and reading from directly from him, that he does have coaching ambitions of his own to be his own man. So I don't think he'll be forever with you know, I, I don't think if Stephen Gerrard has a 20-year coaching career that Michael Beale will will be with him for 20 years um and therefore yeah i do i, I think and, and i think we all know and it's no 
denigration at all to any of the rest of the coaching staff. They work well as a team. I think we all know how important Michael Beale is in terms of Rangers tactics and how they set up and the, the, you know the training, etc. Um, then there would be other other skills you need. We've talked about mental toughness. You know the 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 ability to to deal with all that comes at you being the Rangers manager. But it, it would definitely be in consideration, I think. Um, and I don't think the fans would be would be wildly against it either if Stephen Gerrard leaves on the back of success, as I say, rather than maybe worse. Yeah, I would agree. This is probably a great final question, David, I think, in terms of where we are with time and, and the episode, etc. But this is a, a brilliant one, I think. Um it comes from Dale Renton, also on Patreon as well. What does Steven Gerrard see as his ultimate achievable goal with Rangers? I think that he sees as his ultimate achievement goal with Rangers to be in a position that when he does decide to leave, that A, he decides to leave rather than it's decided for him. And B, that when he does so, Rangers are at the top and indisputably at the top, that they are the number one team in Scotland, not club, that will always be a matter for debate between, you know, if you're a Rangers fan, you think it's us, if you're a Celtic fan, you think it's them, we're right, but um, you know, I'm talking about, but just nobody can say they're not the best team in Scotland, and I think that's what he wants to do, so how do you make that concrete? Well, you do it by multiple league titles, not just one, you do it by cups, and winning cups, and trebles, and you do it of course, by getting to the Champions League, and the great thing about Steven Gerrard is I don't think he's the type of guy who would get us through the qualifying rounds and think, well done, that's me achieved it. He'll want to get us out of that and into the next round. Yeah, I would agree. I would I would say that he's he's created a legacy. He'll want to cement it now. Um, exactly what you said. And like you, you know, I, I go back to something that Steven Gerrard said in February time, just before the Antwerp game. He said that he wants to get Rangers into the, the stage where they're competing in the in the final stages of, of European competition every single year. So like, like you, I, I think he might short-term see Champions League qualification, but ultimately he's looking at after Christmas, you know, last 32, etc. And uh, I see him as being, you know, the way we performed and, and the gradual steps and as we, we've spoke about in, on this series, you know, I wouldn't be surprised, David, if we're sitting next summer adding the next chapter to this because he he's not somebody that will stand still he's not somebody that will be content i think he's always going to be driving and, and striving for more um and i still think he i still think he's here to i think he's got a lot more unfinished business at rangers before he considers his next move also i i go right back to something that he said in the summer of 2018 and it it stayed with me and I've thought about it quite often throughout his time here. Um, he, he, he was asked about signing a four-year deal because it seemed quite a long deal for him to to take at that point. Um, and he said, I asked for a four-year deal. And I remember being happy because I thought, well, that shows you the commitment that he's got to the club, that he's not just here for you know a quick fix for a year or two and then Ofsky, um, a la, you know, Lampard at Derby. And he said in the interview, I asked for a four-year deal because that's how long it will take to make Rangers the best team, not simply a team that can win a trophy here and there, but to be the best team. 
and that's that struck with me. Now that's not to say that he'll get to four years and leave, right? Because he signed an extension since. But I think that I don't know. It's always just reassured me that you know it, he he knew we'd be where we are right now, and that we are still on that plan where yeah we've won a trophy and yeah we're a great side and yeah we're the best in the country, but we've still a ways to go. Yeah, and therefore I I, I refer back to that statement quite a bit and it it fills me with hope for continued success moving forward yeah absolutely Um, great way to finish it I think great way to finish um, tonight now Stephen and I had had talked about this before the show folks and what we said is if we can't get through the questions um, we've, we've got probably the same amount again to go that we'll wrap them up in another show next week so that is what we'll do Stevie a pleasure great questions from the listeners I thought yeah, brilliant questions. It's just, you know what, David, I say this and I try and say it. The show has been an absolute pleasure to do, to, to be with yourself on Heart and Hand. It's been brilliant, but the reaction we've had and we, you know, we're, we're halfway through the, the questions and, and everybody getting involved and the feedback we've had and everything that people have said to us and, and taking their time to, to kind of join the show makes it what it is. So, you know, absolutely, thanks very much for everyone that's listening and sent them in. We're having a ball doing it. And, you know, to, to be able to be sitting, you know, going to record our, our ninth episode next week is, is phenomenal and a huge thanks to everyone. Yeah, and I think that actually it works out very nice. There's a nice uh, bit of symbiosis here, folks, that we will then wrap it up the weekend before the first league game of the new season. So, um, by accident, the timing is absolutely perfect. <laughs> we'll be back next week with the rest of this. I hope you enjoyed it. We very much enjoyed it. Thank you to everyone who sent us in a question. And uh, we'll talk to you again next week. Take care. Bye-bye. Podcast Network.